where the worlds of work, comedy, well-being and today Christmas collide. I'm your host Callie Beaton and this episode, well this episode's a little bit different. There's no interview with a guest, just a little extra Christmas cracker just for you, a Callie Christmas cracker. But before we get into that, the average family has at least one argument on Christmas Day. It's good to know my family are not average. With what to watch on TV topping the charts, shortly followed by Christmas dinner, the mess left after presents have been opened, and the stress of trying to get new toys to work. Not to mention who'll go out and buy the batteries that someone forgot weren't included. Oh, and approximately a thousand people in the UK are injured by their Christmas tree every year. No wonder A&E's under pressure. According to one of the early stage productions of A Christmas Carol, Scrooge was 57, the exact same age as Brad Pitt and Johnny Depp are now. Talking of age, at 11 years old, Jeremy Clarkson received the world's first Paddington bear as a Christmas gift. His mother was responsible for the toy's design. Can you imagine the same person producing something as amazing and loved as Paddington Bear and then Jeremy Clarkson? Although I guess it was the other way around if he was 11. Anyway, for Christmas in 1956, Harper Lee's friends rallied round to give her a whole year's wages. And she then took the next year off and wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. Talking of famous authors, in his will, Robert Louis Stevenson left his birthday of November the 13th to a child he knew who had always complained about being born on Christmas Day. And in 2016, a Sri Lankan church accidentally printed the lyrics for Tupac's Hail Mary in their hymnal instead of the more traditional Christmas carol version. So now for the meat and potatoes of this bonus episode. That's if you can bear to think about meat and potatoes yet. And to kick us off, here are two of my favourite shit Christmas cracker jokes. What's Santa's favourite pizza? One that's deep pan, crisp and even. Deep pan. Okay, maybe that one's better written down. Here's another one. What did Adam say the day before Christmas? It's Christmas Eve. Come on, guys. So coming up, we've got knock-knock jokes, we've got one-liners, we've got situational comedy, we'll explain what that is. We've got dangerous jokes, but let's start with a poem by the wonderful Arthur Smith, appropriately called The Christmas Cracker. The Christmas Cracker is pulled, and I read out the joke inside. Why does Noddy have a bell on his hat? the standard beat, because he's a cunt. My fellow diners look shocked. They haven't realised this isn't really the joke in the cracker, especially not the 11-year-old boy I hadn't noticed, who is laughing harder, I suspect, than he has ever laughed before, even though I also suspect he's never heard of Noddy. Big thank you to Arthur for dropping the C-bomb so early on in the festivities. Happy Twixmas, one and all. So we'll stick with Arthur to kick off this next section, which we're loosely describing as situational comedy. That is jokes that have a story or a premise. 
So uh, a brigadier dies and goes to heaven or wherever you go when you die. And then eventually his wife manages to contact him through, you know, the afterlife, through some medium. And she says, oh, hello, what, what's it like up there? And he says, oh, it's pretty good. And she says, well, what do you do all day? He says, well, you get up, uh, you have a, well, have a swim, uh, have something to eat, have a bit of sex, go back to bed, that's it. And his wife said, well, that's funny because when you were alive, you couldn't swim. You weren't interested in food, really. And let's be honest, you weren't that bothered about sex. And he says, ah, yes, he says, but down there, I wasn't a duck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What is your favourite joke? My favourite joke is, it's quite a long one, but um, there's a group of pigeons from Trafalgar Square, right? This is a very old joke and a weird joke. They go up to... uh, Buckingham Palace and they see the Buckingham Palace pigeons and they go oh, hello he goes nice to meet you because you don't normally meet other groups of pigeons you know he goes yeah we, we just we heard a lot you know a lot of the tourists chat about Buckingham Palace so we thought we'd come up a come up and have a look and I said well I'll tell you what Trafalgar Square normally at midnight though people leave a bit of bread and a bit of water we have a bit of a do so why, why don't you come down and uh, say hello we go well yeah once we finished up here then we'll come down at midnight you say midnight so all right see you then so the Trafalgar Square pigeons go back and it gets to midnight, they're all waiting. I thought you said these Buckingham Palace pigeons were coming. They, they'll definitely be it. They're definitely coming. Half past midnight, one o'clock. They're just about to pack up. And then in just in the distance there, you see this group of Buckingham Palace pigeons just waddling their way through. And I said, what happened to you lot? I said, well, you know, it's a nice evening. We thought we'd walk. <laughs> it's so stupid. Now, the punchline, you can take or leave. For me, just the it's all in the pitch- setup. Yeah, I mean, even I embroidered, uh, uh, you don't meet many other groups of pigeons. You can really attach to that. What's your favourite joke, Sophie? I remember telling this joke to my mum and she laughed and laughed and laughed when I was little. And now that I'm her age, I, it makes me laugh and laugh and laugh and I completely get it now. Um, uh, a woman goes to the doctor and says, I think I'm losing my memory. And the doctor says, when did this begin to happen? And the woman says, mm, when did what begin to happen? <laughs> I almost don't think it's funny because it's too close to home and what's your favourite joke I think the joke that I like the most or, or just like whenever someone asks me that the one that comes to mind so therefore it's that when I first heard it is Jack D um, um, and he's he, he mentions uh um, Barrymore. He mentions Barrymore, and the crowd go like, "Oh, right." And Jack goes, "No, no, no, no. Something like, this, something like this. No, 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 no. Nothing. Um, I have nothing against Michael Young. Big fan of Michael's, but yeah, I, I was reading this in the paper, and I saw that there were four, <laughs> something like five different traces of drugs in his system, and." four different traces of semen up his arse and I thought I have friends round we have pasta what's your favourite joke Stephen oh my favourite joke this is a very difficult question I've got many favourite jokes um I'm gonna I'm trying to think of one that uh, uh will sort of stand the test of time 
Um, I, with my comedy, I like to also challenge people. Mm-hmm. I like to make people think. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly get too political because um, I don't have all the answers. So one of my jokes is that, you know, well, you'd know this, we like to say anything that will get a reaction. Mm-hmm. If it's a groan, if mm-hmm. it's a laugh, mm-hmm. if it's a shock, it's something. Mm-hmm. So uh, a joke, that, uh, a favorite joke that I'm doing now is um, this year we've had a lot of changes. And of course, one of the biggest ones that America have got a new president. Because some people are saying that Donald Trump did a bad job of being the president. So I, for one, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, maybe we should cut him some slack. Hear me out. (laughs) Just because you do a bad job once, it does not make you a bad person. My uncle recently beheaded a woman. Not a bad person. Bad magician. (laughs) And that joke disarms people. Like you would never believe. What would be your favourite joke now that you're the uh, now that you're Ireland's uh, biggest export as a comedian? <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely not that. I can tell you. Um, I tell you, shitty. The worst joke I know. I yeah, know, go on. Uh, it's not one of mine or Neil Delamere's, is it? I don't know. This guy Jimmy's sitting at a bar and he's crying, and his mate comes over and goes, "Jimmy, what's wrong?" He goes, "What's?" My wife, my wife is going to leave me because I had to get sick all over myself and she told me if I get drunk again, she's going to leave me. And he, he goes, look, don't worry about it. He goes, look, what you do is you go home, say you had a few drinks, right? But some guy got sick on you, but he gave you this 20 quid for the dry cleaning, right? So just, just have him down. He goes, okay. So he gets home at like three o'clock in the morning. And the wife goes fucking mental, right? She loses it. And he goes, no, he goes, <laughs> I was in a bar, I had a few drinks, yeah, and 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 someone got sick on me, but but he gave me 20 euro for the dry cleaning. He goes, but that's 40 euro. And he goes, the guy who shot my pants gave me 20 euro as well. That was Baz Ashmawi rounding off the first section. And you also heard jokes from Arthur Smith, Jeff Norcott, Sophie Walker, Sean Walsh and Stephen K. Amos. And thank you to Sean for telling a Jack D routine and to Stephen for telling... Well, you know, one of his own. Now, each episode, as regular listeners will know, I ask my guest for their favourite joke. And most come back with things along the line of, I can't remember any jokes, I can't tell jokes, or worryingly, from many, many comedians, what we hear is, I don't do jokes. But everyone, and I mean everyone, remembers at least one knock-knock joke, even kids, as Dan Schreiber proved. My favourite joke is, knock-knock. Who's there? Europe. Europe who? No, Europe who? <laughs> now, the reason that's my favourite joke, that's only it's become... it's your son's joke at the moment, is it? It's the first joke he's ever learnt. And he we tell it to everyone. Everyone we see on a Zoom, any phone call we have, if we're out in the park, we go up and I say, Wilfie, tell them your joke. Or he says, Dad, I'm going to tell the joke. And that's the joke. And he's learned how to do knock, knock. He's three years old. He's learned knock, knock, wait for them to say who's there, Europe, Europe. Like he's got the the technicalities of it down. And I don't know what my first joke was that I ever learned or told. And do you want to I'm hear gonna... my kid's first one? Which yes, was please. A, yeah. Another, it's obviously a knock, knock. You're going to have to do the call and response. Uh-huh. Uh, knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow who? Moo. <laughs> 
And what's your, um, what's your favorite joke, Desiree? Oh my God. So it's hard to ever say a favorite because it's just your favorite in that moment when I, <laughs> so this, I think it's, it's a Mercury retrograde. I'm totally in the past. So this is um, my friend, Carla Rhodes, who is a comic in New York who did ventriloquism. She's since gotten sober, gone into wildlife photography, and she's great at it. But she was doing, uh, you know, stand-up when I was doing stand-up there. And I can't, I don't know, it's something about my sense of humor that, okay, so I'm going to redo her joke for you. It's a knock-knock joke. So if you uh -huh. can do the appropriate sort of responses to the knock-knock joke so I can tell the joke. All right. And so this is with her puppet who was called Cecil Rhodes. <laughs> so he was, a, he was white and he was an asshole. And she could use him and have these conversations. So uh, her joke went knock-knock. Uh, Who's there? 9-11. 9-11 who? You said you'd never forget! <laughs> so... <laughs> That's an amazing, hilarious punchline that she did for years and it always made people laugh. But the problem with that joke is that I would laugh at 9-11. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, yeah. in my mind, knock, knock, who's there? 9-11 is like the funniest shit I could possibly think of. Because like, that's pretty much life. It's like ding dong. <laughs> what is your favorite joke? My favorite one when I was very young, my, my dad loved, uh, had a good sense of humor. And his favorite joke, and it always tickled me, was knock, knock. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, knock, knock. Who's there? An Irish burglar. Hold on. Oh, I see. <laughs> when I was 12, I thought that was the best joke ever. <laughs> and that's quite clever as well, because it just leaves you. And you go, oh, right, the burglar's knocking the door. <laughs> the time-honored knock-knock joke, as told by Dan Schreiber, Desiree Birch, and Tim McGarry. And Tim's knock-knock joke leads us very nicely into what, for want of a better term, we're calling ethnic jokes. And I would like to say that is thanks to my middle-aged, middle-class, straight, white guy producer, Mike. He came up with that label. But I would just like to say there's nothing un-PC about it. As Mark Billingham proved, you don't have to be part of a culture to appreciate its humour. I've always been a massive fan of Jewish jokes. I'm not Jewish, but for reasons way too complicated to explain, I went to an Orthodox Jewish school. That's a very com long, complicated story. Was that but, just because you know, your parents were like, oh, we didn't read the form properly? No, no, no. My parents were not Jewish. It was the school I was at, for reasons I still don't understand, was closed down. I, I don't quite know. Just like overnight. Not connected to you personally. Not connected to me. I didn't do anything. It wasn't after your Oliver like, Twist performance. They were like, shit. We no, we, so we just going. got farmed out to the nearest schools nearest to where we live. Mine being King David School. In, in Mosley in Birmingham, which is a fantastic school, but it was an Orthodox Jewish school. I think there were three of us in the whole school that weren't Jewish. Wow. Um, but I still had to, I went through that that school as if I were, you know, I had to wear a yarmulke and go to assembly and do all that stuff. And all my obviously all my close friends and their families are Jewish. Um, so I've always had a soft spot for Jewish jokes, proper Jewish jokes as told by Jewish comedians, not yep. anti-Semitic jokes, Jewish jokes. Yep. And my favorite is uh, the old Jewish guy who goes into the Jewish grocers uh, late one night to buy something. And he walks up the first aisle and there's just huge sacks of salt. That's all there are up, up the first aisle. And he goes down the second aisle, more sacks of salt. They're piled high. And the third, third aisle, there's just salt, salt, sacks of it, all the way up to the ceiling. And he goes up to the guy behind the counter and he goes, I guess you must sell a lot of salt. And the guy goes, no, not really. And he goes, well, why, why all the salt? And the shopkeeper goes, well, you see, me, I can't sell salt. But the guy who sells me salt, oi, can he sell salt? I just think that's a fantastic joke. It's a great joke, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, I'll tell you a joke that I think is really funny. It's about, uh, in fact, I've actually brought uh, 
the book The Jewish Joke by Devorah Baum that I got it from. I thought you were going to show me a prop. I thought we were going no, I'm all gonna, I'm going to do it from memory <laughs> instead, of, uh, instead, of, instead of read it out. It's, uh, so it's, it's about uh, Moishi who's driving in Jerusalem and he's late for a meeting and he's finding it really, really hard to find a parking space. He's getting desperate for an important meeting. So eventually in desperation, he, he, he turns his face to the heavens and says, please, Lord, if you will just make a parking space come up here, I, I promise I'm going to be... Uh, totally devout for the rest of my life. I'll go to a temple on all the high holidays. I'll observe Sabbath. I'll, um, I'll keep kosher. And right then in front of him, miraculously, uh, a parking space uh, opens up. So he turns his face to the heavens again and says, ah, never mind, I found one. <laughs> um, I don't know whether that's uh, funny. That's very good. And your timing but... <laughs> was very good. It was just somewhat annoying. Cause... <laughs> I, I get anxious telling jokes because I'm not a joke teller. What's your favorite joke? Oh, my favorite joke. Uh, yeah, this is a, this is a, I think this is my favorite joke is in, you know, coming to America. Mm -hmm. At the end of the film, coming to America is my favorite comedy film. And uh, I had to do a lecture on it once (laughs) in the Irish Film Institute where they asked me to pick my favorite funny film and I picked it. And then like, I gave, I gave a talk (laughs) after and asked, you know, for people's opinions on it. One guy put up his hand. He's like, that's the worst film I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, it's incredible. (laughs) Uh, He's like, he said like, it was just a bunch of sketches thrown together. And I'm like, yes. And who cares? (laughs) You know, it's great. I think it's a great film. And at the end of the film, Eddie Murphy's dressed as like the, the white Jewish guy. And he's going like, um, wait a, taste the soup and the waiter goes what is there like uh is it too hot too cold just taste the soup was it too salty too peppery just taste the goddamn soup (laughs) okay okay i'll taste the soup i'll taste the soup where's the spoon aha says the mom and that just killed me when i was six years old and it still kills me now and it was the only vhs i was allowed to watch when i was a kid (laughs) that belonged to my uncle uh because there was no kids video so i just watched that and uh also total recall (laughs) those were people watch rosie and jim and uh, and uh teddy tubbies when they were a kid i watched a free titted woman and arnold schwarzenegger with eyes bulge out there's this guy called uh giuseppe and his his wife Maria is a real tyrant, and so one day he he goes out to buy snails. And Gennaro said to me, he said, because in in Italy you go to the grocers to buy snails. That's that's normal. He said, you need to know that for mm-hmm. the joke. I said, okay. So he said, so Giuseppe goes out and he he bumps into his friend who says, oh, come around my house. We've got all these girls coming round, and you know we're gonna have a party. And he says, I can't, I can't. Maria's waiting for me. I've got to go out. He goes, just come around for one drink. So I say, okay. So he goes around there. He says, and then sort of like about four hours have passed and he's all had loads to drink and been with all these girls and and uh and he goes i've got, I've got to go i've got to go so he, says he rushes to uh to the shop gets the snails he's got his box of snails and he's walking home and he gets to the bottom of the hill and sees at the top of the hill sees uh maria maria is that what i said his yeah. wife's name uh with her arms folded or or crossed like that and she starts walking down the hill and so he said so he just throws the snails on the floor as she, as she approaches. He goes, come on, come on, nearly home, nearly home. Namaste, motherfuckers. That's George Egg closing off this section with a joke set in Italy in a section that essentially is Jewish jokes, as told by Alison Spittle, Oliver Berkman and Mark Billingham. Now, as, oh, by the way, I should say on the subject of Jewish jokes, anyone who doesn't know Ivor Denbina, Look Ivor up and his brilliant, brilliant, um, he's got a book of Jewish jokes. So I would recommend that for next year's stocking filler or 
or a kind of Twixmas little bit of love to someone. So as you can hear from what we're doing so far in this episode, comedy is quite hard to pigeonhole. God knows I should know because I spent the best part of 25 years working in telly and making a living out of trying to do just that. Most of the jokes on Namaste Motherfuckers are what we could safely call one-liners, you know, set up, punch, get in, get out. Essentially a knock-knock joke without the knock-knock. So sit back and enjoy this montage of rapid fire gags, starting with the king of the namaste motherfuckers one-liners, Mr. John Lloyd. What's the best thing about Switzerland? I don't know, but the flag is a big plus. (laughs) (laughs) What did the left eye say to the right eye? Between you and me, something smells. (laughs) Two cows grazing in a field. One cow says to the other, do you ever worry about that mad cow disease? And the other cow says, why would I care? I'm a helicopter. (laughs) Where does the general keep his armies? In his sleeveys. How do you make holy water? You boil the hell out of it. Uh, I do. It's such a privilege, you know, to, to work in comedy. I feel like I've just had a sort of um, a, a sort of very sophisticated Christmas cracker opening experience <laughs> with you there. What's the difference between a well-dressed man on a bicycle and a poorly dressed man on a tricycle? You're going to have to tell me. A tyre. <laughs> See, it's quality. Um, what do Germans think come between fear and sex? Go on. Funf. It's an absolute classic. And what's your favourite joke? My favourite joke, it, it doesn't have to be mine, does it? No, it doesn't. No, so my favourite joke is the Gary Delaney joke. I accidentally filled the escort up with Diesel the other day. She died. That's my favourite joke. <laughs> I think that's a really perfect joke. In my top 100 jokes, I think would all be Tim Vine jokes. And the one that I remember more than any other is... All tennis players are witches. Look at Goran. Even he's a witch. And I think about... I must think about that joke at least once a week. Uh, one of my favourite jokes that anyone's written, I think, Lee Mack. Lee Mack has a great line, which was, um, I used to think I wanted three children until I had two. And now I realise I only want one. And I think that's just I, just... I just think it's a beautiful joke. Callie, what do you call a drummer without a girlfriend? I don't know. What do you call a drummer without a girlfriend? Homeless. (laughs) Having dated two drummers, I'm like, do I laugh or cry? (laughs) Dave, what's your favourite joke? You know, I'm not a big joke teller, and I think of, like, favourite bits of comics, but but I will say, and it's good for a podcast, I suppose, when you ask that question, I just go right to Stephen Wright, you know? Um, And there were so many great jokes that he told back in the day, but the one that I remember was... um, I went to a place to eat and it said breakfast at any time. So I ordered French toast during the Renaissance. (laughs) (laughs) And what is your favorite joke? Oh, okay. Uh, I think, I think it's going to be my mum's favorite joke, which she told me as a kid. Uh, It's so bad, but (laughs) where do baby apes sleep? In an apricot. apricot. Oh, yeah. come on, Callie. Always <laughs> my son, on. My son is Always a primate on. specialising zookeeper. Of course. Uh, so I grew up, as I said, a fan of Woody Allen and everyone like that. But actually in the end, my and Steve Martin, and I, in the end, my favourite joke is just um, 
a horse walks into a bar and the barman says, why the long face? <laughs> it's, just, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Serena, for rounding off this section with a classic one-liner. So classic, in fact, that you've no doubt heard it in your house sometime over Christmas. So thanks also to John Lloyd, Eleanor Tweddle, Jess Foster-Q, Matt Richardson, Matt Ford, Ed Byrne, Anna Webb, Dave Bernath and Maisie Adam. So in our final jokes section, we have dangerous comedy, not comedy that can get you cancelled, but jokes that have the potential to start a fight in an empty room, you know, like your great uncle Barry can. So to close off Callie's Christmas Cracker 2021, let's revisit episode 14 with Jeff Lloyd and Sarah Barron. Sarah did the classic namaste motherfuckers get out of jail and retold a routine from a fellow comic, while her husband, Jeff, who is funny for a living but not a professional stand-up, did his best to tell a joke too, with, let's just say, mixed results. You see, I, I'm, a, I'm a comedy fan, but I'm not, I, I'm not a great joke fan. Although I, th- I think when you're younger and your neural pathways are, are still uh, forming, maybe those types of jokes are funnier than they are now where you kind of know where everything's going. But there was, there was... I think all jokes are funnier when your neural pathways haven't formed. I like my audience is half formed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like that one. It's a little bit long-winded, though, and I'm not a joke teller, but I'll, I'll, I'll try it. So it's um, a, a guy... Sarah's gone off to get a cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> see what's going on but on I also hate, like, I, I was listening to, I won't say who, but I, I was listening to one of your episodes where somebody gave you a joke and you, you traded them and the thing is about these kind of pub jokes you have feel you have to perform the laughter but it's not real laughter so I, I'll, I'll are tell you saying you, I faked it with well, one he, of my guests? He, he did you did we all are I mean this is the point yeah right um you know if it's some knock knock joke out of a kid's book we oh, no, know, know where it's we know where it's going about. we know where it's going yeah, yeah. um so anyway, so, so, so and and I know now my price for um, setting it up. Did like you that like is, the rest of the podcast? I loved though, it, loved so. it. I mean, and <laughs> oh, the, good, the person in, in, in uh, I love the yeah. podcast. I find Don't it. Don't put listeners off. Please. So uh, you know, it's so interesting as a premise. This person is a friend of mine. I learned things about him that I didn't know from good. real life. So well saved, sir. Yes. So, um, but and and now I know what what I'm the price I'm going to pay for setting up like that is you are both going to feel obliged to sit stony face straight afterwards to prove yeah, that you're going to get me on one of your podcasts yeah. to make up for what potentially might be lit- uh, yeah, libelous yes yeah <laughs> so a, a guy goes a guy goes into a pub uh, and he's he's waiting to order his drink there's another guy at the, at the bar they sort of raise eyebrows and say hello to each other and he says you're right mate he says, yeah. he says uh, oh what's your name he says oh, I'm Dave what's your name oh I'm Dave too Oh, nice to meet you. Shake hands. Uh, what do you do for a living? He says, I'm, I'm a beekeeper. He says, you're a beekeeper? He says, yeah. He says, I'm a beekeeper as well. Says, we're, we're both beekeepers. That, that's amazing. Well, I mean, what are the chances of that happening? He says, yeah, yeah, that's incredible. So so how many uh, how many bees do you keep? He says, I've got about uh, 30,000. All right. And how many, uh, how many hives do you keep those 30,000 bees in? He says, they're spread across five or six hives. So right, right, right. What about you? He says, oh, I've got a million bees. So you've got a million bees? How many hives do you need for that? He says, oh, just the one. He says, you keep a million bees in one hive? The other guy goes, uh, yeah, fuck them. <laughs> I mean, I don't get it. 
I, I, I don't understand the joke. So I think I what, think you did a great telling of it. You, I just don't. You. I genuinely don't thank understand you. it. So so I think I think, <laughs> and I think the best jokes are the ones you have to yeah, explain. Yeah, yeah, always. <laughs> Those were my guests from episode 14, Jeff Lloyd and Sarah Barron. Every week, as you know, I do a thing inspired by my guest. And this week, I'm going to tell you my favourite joke. So here goes. There's a nun lying in the bath and there's a knock at the door and she says, who's that? And a voice on the other side says, it's the blind man. Can I come in? So she says, OK, you can come in. And he gets in and he says, nice tits. Where do you want the blinds? So that's nearly it for this bonus episode. Thank you so much to all my guests this year, even those whose jokes we couldn't or didn't include. Some of them just told us to go and watch things like Danny Wallace and Sadia Azmat, who both recommended Norm MacDonald. We've put links to his stuff in the show notes. And rest in peace, lovely Norm. And also Ed Byrne, who name-checked Larry Miller's epic five stages of drinking, which is also in the show notes and probably quite topical for many. So thank you as ever for listening. Lovely festive fans, if you want to make my Christmas, just leave a review, subscribe to the podcast, tell all your friends, tell your neighbours, hell, tell people you don't even like at all, but you have to be with because it's Christmas. And if you are new to Namaste Motherfuckers and you liked it, why not go back and listen to some of the episodes in the back catalogue? And if you didn't like it, well, shut the fuck up. Let people make their own mistakes. So that is it for this special Christmas episode. We'll be back in your feed next Monday, as always, when I'll be talking to comedian Paul McCaffrey. Probably my favourite joke is everyone laughed when I said I was going to be a stand-up comedian. They're not laughing now. Namaste, motherfuckers, was written and presented by me and produced by Mike Hansen. So you know what a 69 is, right? So what's a 68? You do me... And I'll owe you one. Wah, wah, wah. Merry Christmas. And Karusha Dami. So I watched a documentary on how ships are put together. It was riveting. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas. For Pod People Productions, with music by Jake Yap. I know I lack self-awareness. I'm Callie Beaton. Have a hootin' tootin' Twixmas and New Year. Until next time. Motherfuckers. Namaste, motherfuckers. Pod people. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.